we have these crossroads. And you know, either way you choose, your life is going to be different. The universe doesn't exist, but God thinks it does. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. I am all for abolishing stupidity, but before it goes, we should pay tribute to it. Hello, friends, and welcome to Nonsense Bazaar. I'm Sequoia Kennedy. And I'm Willow Truman. Willow, who are you? A brain dead. What are you? (laughs) Why is that the first thing that came out? Define (laughs) yourself. I don't think I need to any further. (laughs) (laughs) No, in concrete terms, your virtues, your flaws. Oh, I can direct you to my um, diary. Draw me a chart. (laughs) (laughs) Some of those in my diary. Make it have a lot of numbers and arrows and color code. Color code that piece of shit so we can be absolutely 100% sure that we've put your ass in a category with a name. Because that's the only thing that'll make the pain go away. Oh my God. (laughs) It's too much self-examination. Yeah. We love to do that, though, don't we? It's that, it's that yeah. sort of that old idea of a thing's true name and conferring power over it. Yeah. If we can define it, we don't have uncertainty. And tell me, is there anything more ghastly, more soul-shakingly terrifying than uncertainty? No. Yeah. No, that's the big thing. Well, perhaps even more terrifying than the uncertainty of who and what we are is the uncertainty that we're wasting our limited time by not living up to our capacities. And perhaps more terrifying than that is the uncertainty over whether or not the ideas and thoughts and maps of meaning we've made inside our own little noggins are real. They, they have to be real, right? Because if our, <laughs> if our maps of meaning are wrong, then that means we're, we're not normal. We don't fit. We're, or dare I say it, we're crazy. No. No. No, <laughs> it, not crazy. It couldn't be. It mustn't be. So I must, must be able to explain and concretize my own maps of meaning so that anyone can understand it. And when they see that it's the truth, their validation of my ideas will validate me as a person. And then I'll see that I'm not just normal. I'm special. I hate it. God, what a, it's such a, such a manifester thing to say, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what a manifester would yeah. say. What, what's a manifester, you might ask? A manifester is a type of person. One of the four types of people. They make up 20% of the population on Earth. So says the whack-ass system called human design. It's already so much. Yeah, it already sucks, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't know why I keep doing this myself. Human design. Human fucking design, dude. That's what we're talking about today. (sighs) Sounds like another great way to, like, goad one's own OCD tendencies. It's not good. Yeah. It's really not good. Yeah. I don't like it. Like, in fact, it seems like... It could be a way to drive yourself a little crazy. Oh, yeah, I might. Yeah, I'd say that. I mean, we'll see. I still don't know really know what it is. You're gonna have to tell me. Well, human human design is yet another way for people to define themselves metaphysically through overly complicated diagrams and bullshit numbers, colliding every known spiritual system in a way that works only because it's so complicated and full of spiritual techno babble that anyone can see anything in it and no one can disagree because no one understands it because it came from a raver having a psychotic break on Ibiza and being fucked with by a floating blue orb. Oh, oh, the blue orb, of course. Blue orb's back. It's gotta be a blue orb. And love a blue orb. And that raver's name is Ra-Uru-Hu. Great. Yep. 
Yep, he's a deeply unsettling character. <laughs> I'm already unsettled. Yeah, me too, dude. I haven't felt this way since I covered the pneumogram. <laughs> yeah. Now, human design is not new. It's been around since the 90s, and Ra Uru Hu's revelation came in the late 80s on the island of Ibiza. While raving? This motherfucker even calls one of the components of the chart the rave mandala. There's the rave I Ching. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> There's a rave Kabbalah. Peace, love, unity, and respect, bro. And like, I don't know. I feel like any veteran of their own psychedelic jihad can tell immediately what the fuck is going on here. Like, and that's why it primarily appeals to suburban white women who have certainly never drawn their initials on dinner plates with three crushed up ecstasy tablets and put that shit up their beak. Maybe they did. Someone who is Those days are behind them now, though. Those days are behind them now. Yeah. <laughs> now nah, they never are. <sighs> if I had a seminar, it'd just be titled How to Do Drugs Better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> on a pizza box behind the Museum of Modern Art. Did you do drugs off pizza box? <laughs> Did someone who isn't you do drugs off a pizza box behind the Museum <laughs> of Modern Art? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> so we're going to take a look at human design. And I'm going to tell you right now. Not going to make sense of it. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. We're going to do our very best. We're also going to take a look at Ra Uruhu's retelling of how an entity he calls The Voice gave him this system in a really very disturbing and weird as shit encounter. Like, I do think this fucker encountered something paranormal for sure. Good. Yeah. Can't wait to hear about yeah. it. Before we get into The Voice. Dude, it's so fucked. Before we get into all that, let's do what we do. We're going to pull a tarot card, and we'll talk about how it relates at the end of the episode. Excellent. Yeah. I want to see what he looks like. <sighs> he looks like a photographer. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, photographers. <laughs> no, but like, you know what I mean when I say he looks like a photographer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What is this pyramid? Dude. <laughs> this shit's crazy. <laughs> this shit is batshit. It's entirely fucking batshit insane. Whoa. It's legitimately schizophrenic. Yeah. That just somehow managed to get systematized and carry on. It's, which is strange, but it's, in, it's entirely schizophrenic. Human design psoriasis? I'm a 5-1 manifester and have been struggling with psoriasis for over 10 years. I didn't care too much about the spots I have on my body, but since the last wave, there have been new spots in my face and I'm freaking out. Oh, yeah. That's something I didn't really get to is like pulling up examples from the human design Reddit to showcase the madness. Like, does she think that? Psoriasis is an extra layer of protection, a second skin, an armor, so to say. It connects to stress and boundary issues, and I have plenty of those. For years now, I haven't let anyone close to me. It's rare I even allow a hug. Touching people can bring a lot of information and emotions I didn't anticipate. I can get angry if someone just touches my arm. Does this have anything? Does that have anything to do with the psoriasis? Is that the root issue of her psoriasis? That she's asking. They're going to say yeah in some fucked up way and use some justification of the Ravi Ching. That's crazy. Yeah, dude. It's not good. The websites are all like super slick and shit. And like, yeah, it's weird. 
I mean, like, she's also not wrong that repressed emotions can cause health issues. Like, that is true. But I don't know well, spoilers, that she, relates to human design. Uh, she's asking if neutrinos can cause that. Uh, yeah. We'll get to the neutrinos. Oh, boy. <sighs> Papa neutrino. Don't know about this one. Yeah. Queen of Discs. Interesting. Believe that might actually be the card associated with Ra Uruhu's birthday. No. Which would be interesting. Queen of Discs. Oh, God. I've been pulling such hard ones lately. Except they haven't felt... Actually, no, I haven't. I mean, so in the Rider Waite Smith coins. Yeah, the Queen of Pentacles. She's rich. She's a rich bitch. She's a girl boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. I guess. Um... Mm. See, it's, it's the watery element of earth. So the emotional aspect of physicality or the, yeah, oh, we'll just have to talk about that later because that's, yes, a, that's a fucking tough one. All right. <laughs> we always reach it by the end. We do. Court cards are always tough for me. I'm not that great at them. I don't think they're tough. I mean, they're, they're some of the tougher mm. ideas you can talk about. All right. I was there. Received the knowledge of human design in 1987, but it was some pretty deep cut woo-woo up until a couple of years ago. Excuse me. Like, is that his real name? No. <laughs> Do we know what it is? Yeah. It's, um... It's gonna just be like Bill. Yeah, no, no. It's, uh, Alan Robert Krakauer. Okay. His name's Alan. Alan. <laughs> Al. <laughs> So Alan received the knowledge of human design in 1987. It was some pretty deep cut woo-woo until a couple of years ago. After, after Ra Uruhu had already died. So in the script, Willow, I've put a picture of a Google Trends graph mm -hmm. uh, for the search term human design going back as far as I can to 2004. And you can see right around the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, something changes on that there graph. Um, yeah, it goes way up. It goes way the fuck up. Yeah. Now, it doesn't line up perfectly with the start of the pandemic, but that shit starts to ex fucking explode right at the end of 2020, mm -hmm. beginning of 2022. And, you know, we can speculate on that. I would say that that's when the real societal fear of uncertainty kicked into fucking overdrive. Yeah. Yeah. See, for those of us with deep and terrible anxiety, at least for me, um, the lockdown portion of the pandemic was actually, and, and I am just speaking for myself here, but I've talked to others who feel this way as well. So I'm sure at least some of you out there will feel me on this. The lockdown portion of the pandemic was actually much easier to deal with than the afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. It was getting back into everything that 
caused a lot of stress. Yeah. And especially the election chaos. Well, mm-hmm. Why? Well, you know, it, during the lockdown, the danger was certain. And by that, I mean, it was identifiable. Right. You give it a name. Uh, there were measures to be taken, et cetera, et cetera. It's that uncertainty shit that drives people towards finding a reason, any reason for why things are the way they are. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to keep hammering that point because it's it it really is the crux of this whole thing. Yeah. So I first heard about human design while I was on the subreddit QAnon Casualties. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah. And this doesn't really relate yeah. to QAnon, but the poster seemingly didn't know where else to go. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I could totally understand why they decided to go there for answers. The post basically said that the the poster's 30-year-old daughter in Florida, I believe, had become obsessed with something called human design had left her husband and was now sort of wandering around Florida in a delusional and psychotic haze. Like, literally wandering and being fucking weird about it, you know. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh boy, I gotta look into this. And at first I hated myself for deciding to look into it, just like when I looked at CCRU and Nick Land and the Numogram, which is funny because the human design body graph actually looks a decent amount like the Numogram, and that means that I can take this opportunity to call Nick Land derivative once more. Yay! And that is, of course, the most savage and vicious thing you can say to a postmodern writer. Mm-hmm. Hey, bud. Hey, bud. Your shit's derivative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got him again. Yeah. <laughs> but trying to make sense of what I was seeing was just, like, impossibly tiresome. The biggest, most referenced website in the human design world is Jovian Archive, and it says it's the first and official blah, blah, blah. So that that's the one we're going to use. Capiche? Capiche. All right. Pull up jovianarchive.com. I ask you to do the same. So let's take a look at why human design. Uh, Willow, would you like to read this? Yes, as soon as it loads. Uh, I actually have it in the script. I copied and pasted it. Imagine being given a user manual for your life. How would this user manual help you? The manual would guide you on how to navigate life perfectly aligned with who you are. Detailing your talents, skills, and potential, it would give you a map for actualizing these. It would help you understand how you are designed to engage with the world and show you where you are susceptible to your environment's influence and conditioning. The manual reveals how your inner guidance system operates and provides with practical techniques for making decisions that can greatly enhance your experience of life. This is what the human design system has to offer. Simply put, if you want to discover how to improve the quality of your life in a simple yet immensely effective way, make the right moment-to-moment decisions, resulting in improved relationships and career choices. Manage the challenges that are a part of daily life without getting overwhelmed. You have the innate ability to make choices that are in alignment with your authentic nature and based in your personal authority. This knowledge will empower you to live a fulfilling life in your unique way. Aw, that, that just, Isn't that's that just wonderful? great. We're all special. We can fix your entire life. Yeah, like... We're all special and we want to be authentic and navigating that nature-nurture dichotomy is a lifelong process. Cool, cool. I feel you. I feel you. I like drugs and dance music too. Fuck yeah. But wait, there's more. Oh, good. Shall I? Yes. You need to experiment with your design and find what is right for you. To be what you are not, to live the conditioning, leads to disease. As you continually confront energies you are not genetically equipped to handle... Human design is a tool that can help you understand how your body and mind are meant to run properly and how to align with others who can support your process. Yeah, so human design very quickly gets into this sort of weird deterministic shit. Like, 
To be what you are not, to live the conditioning leads to disease as you are conti- as you continually confront energies you are not genetically, genetically equipped to handle. Genetically equipped to handle. There's if certain it, energies you not, are not genetically equipped to handle. Yeah, if not for the word genetically, like I still have some minor issues, but like not not really. But the use of the word genetically just takes it there. Yeah, it, it, it's it, weird. It's this hard coded shit that you're like, yeah. It, yeah. And you might be wondering like, wait, gen- gen- genetics? Like, so when they say I can get my free chart, like I need to like swab my cheek or something and mail it to him. No, no, no. You silly fuck. All you need is your exact time and exact place of birth to figure out your genetic limitations. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's, it's just astrology. No, no, no. You silly fuck. Astrology isn't scientific. And they say right here, they say, here they say, it's not built on belief or faith, but is a logical empirical system that offers you the opportunity to experiment with its mechanics and find out if it works for you. Excellent. Logical, empirical. Yes, it's scientific. so scientific. It's real. I mean, and like, yeah, astrology is part of it. So is Kabbalah. So is the I Ching. And there's channels and gates and crosses and activated gates. And there's profiles and angles and hexagrams and variables. Variables. They got variables. Oh, it's very scientific. Totally scientific. They got variables. There's 26 activations, 13 planetary imprints, nine centers, 36 channels. 36. Can you even believe it? That's a lot of channels. 64 hexagrams, six lines, and three levels of substructure. You gonna tell me that something with three levels of substructure ain't scientific? Get the fuck out of here. And 64 hexagrams? Well, there is 64 hexagrams. It's just how many hexagrams there are. Yeah. The I I was hoping the rave I Ching might have, some, might have a little, little more, but no. Mm. But you know what really makes it scientific? What's that? Neutrinos. Neutrinos, baby. Baby neutrinos. Neutrinos are that secret sauce. That's the mechanical, super scientific way this shit works. And what's more, they've proved that it's true scientifically. See, neutrinos are a subatomic particle, sort of a cousin to an electron in the same family, except they carry a neutral charge, whereas electrons carry a negative charge. Positrons are positive, if you're wondering, but we're only concerned about the fucking neutrinos here, guy. So here's a video explaining neutrinos in under 60 seconds. So today I'm going to do possibly the hardest thing I've ever done in physics, explain neutrinos in under 60 seconds. Timer, please. Okay. Neutrinos are fundamental particles that can't be broken down into smaller pieces. They're the second most abundant particle in the universe, second only to photons, particles of light. Almost every time atomic nuclei come together or break apart, neutrinos are produced. And that means that almost everything produces neutrinos, including stars, the Earth, people, and yes, even bananas. Like delicious Neapolitan ice cream, neutrinos come in three flavors, electron, muon, and tau neutrino. And this is where it gets weird. Neutrinos can change types as they travel. It's called oscillation. It's something we didn't expect and still can't fully explain. Theory says that neutrinos don't have mass, but they do. Unfortunately, it's so small we haven't been able to measure it, which is great. Finally, neutrinos are pretty antisocial. They don't like to interact with other matter, which obviously makes them hard to study and means we have to build huge detectors to be able to do it. So why do we even bother? Well, neutrinos might explain why the universe exists and why there's no antimatter around. So if we want to understand the universe, we have to understand neutrinos. I did it. Now, don't Good worry job. if you didn't catch all of um, Wow. You know, okay. um, it's, I kind of get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, particle physics 
is fucking wild and super cool. And I wish I had better math teachers in school because I might've gone off and done something wacky, like study that shit. Instead, I'm talking about how neutrinos factor into a psychotic break from some fucking Canadian advertising exec turned raver on Ibiza in 1987. Fuck me. Yeah. How do they? Well, here's what the Jovian archive says about neutrinos. This is a giant ass quote. Yes. A fundamental aspect of human design is based on what is scientifically known as the neutrino. Neutrinos are unusual particles that carry an infinitesimal amount of mass. About three trillion neutrinos and the material information they carry pass through every square inch of the planet per second. Our sun produces about 70% of all neutrinos that travel through our solar system, with the remaining 30% emitted by other stars in our galaxy and a small amount from the planet Jupiter. Since neutrinos have an infinitesimally small amount of mass, as the, stream, as the stream passes through us, it leaves information. It is a stream of information, and within each of us exist particles that connect us to the stream. At the moment of birth, we are imprinted by the information carried by the neutrino stream via the planets. This imprint is reflected within your human design chart and determines your particular design. This information provides us with the knowledge to understand our nature, potential, and forms of interaction. In 2015, the scientists were awarded a Nobel Prize for the discovery of neutrino oscillations, which shows that neutrinos have mass. Ra-Uhuru Hu published this as the science behind the human design as early as 1991. Right. So that's the linchpin right there, right? The linchpin yeah. is that Ra-Uhuru in 1991 said that neutrinos have mass, and it wasn't until 2015 that science caught up with Ra-Uhuru Hu. Right? right. We'll get back to that claim in a second. But I want to focus on another sentence in there. Yeah, is, uh, which one? Since neutrinos have an infinitesimally small amount of mass, as the stream passes through us, it leaves information. The listeners will know that that sentence is a great example of another one of these systems we've covered. <laughs> which one could that be? That's NLP. Yes, it is. That's exactly what yeah. I was thinking. That sentence does not mean what it says it means. It doesn't but mean anything. But it says it does. Since neutrinos have an infinitesimally small mass... As the stream passes through us, it leaves information. There's no connection there. Yeah. There's absolutely no connection there. Since blank, then blank. Right. That's a template. Right. For You can throw convincing. anything fucking in there. Yeah. Yeah. It means nothing. Yeah. Neutrinos having an infinitesimally small mass does not actually mean they leave behind an information imprint. In fact, because they're neutrally charged, they don't really do fucking anything. Mm-hmm. That's kind of their whole thing. Like- Information is transferred via charge. That's how it works. That's how fucking things interact with one another. And I'm sure there's exceptions to that, but like that's how atoms bind together and make molecules is the fucking charges. Mm-hmm. And they use this claim that Ra-Uruhu knew that neutrinos had mass because of the revelation he got from the voice. And stupid old science proved this after wise old Ra had already written it. So that's proof of the whole thing. Now, beyond the complete fallacy that would be, even if it was true or relevant— it's still fucking stupid. Yeah. Why? Well, when science proves things, it's not like fucking Isaac Newton and the apple falling on his head that makes makes him go, bing, gravity's a thing. Like, n- usually not, at least. Now, yeah. in our Harriet Tubman episode, we did stress that many scientific discoveries have been guided by seemingly paranormal means, and that is true. However, in this case, proving that neutrinos have mass settles a debate that had been going on since neutrinos were first discovered in the 1930s. 
Right. There has always been a contingent of particle physicists who insisted neutrinos have mass. It's not like fucking Ra was just a lone voice in the wilderness. No, it was. Yeah, what he a, wasn't the first one to come up with it. No, like the first dude who discovered the neutrino thought they probably had to have mass. Right. Yeah. They just, it just took, it took a really long time to be able to prove it because it's really hard to study neutrinos because they don't interact with anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking neutrinos. Jesus Christ. And like, you know, I'm pretty sure I've heard other, other goddamn Spunians coming down after a festival who won't shut the fuck up about particle physics. Mm-hmm. Like it's definitely something that happens. <sighs> All right. Why don't we just, why don't we just go through this whole, this system? Um, yeah. So now I'm thinking we just like, just go through these links on the sidebar here and just like quickly talk about the components of the system without getting too deep into it. All right. So what are the human design chart body graph and mandala? The synthesis of the rave mandala. I should love this. Yeah. You know? Yes. Just like fucking CCRU. (laughs) I should love this. Like it, you like charts, you like stuff like this. Dude, you know what? Honest, honestly, I think I just wanted to love charts. I don't know if I actually do. Yeah. 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 Or I'm just growing out of it. Like, I think I'm more a sorcerer than a wizard. There you go. You know, <sighs> more jackass than anything, but what are you going to do? <laughs> I feel like this is a perfect metaphor for the whole thing. So I just did this whole fucking human design test. Find your type, not on the Jovian archive website, on a different website. You fill out like 30 really mindless questions. Sure. Like I was listening to you and also clicking it because it's absolutely mindless. And you want to know what the result page is? Yeah. It's just a blank white page. There is nothing there. You want to find out your type? You get nothing. Yeah. You get the white void. Figure (laughs) it out yourself. Well, (laughs) it's supposed to just do it just with your birthday and time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I feel like that's a great um, metaphor for personality tests in general. It really is. Like, here's just a blank page. Why don't you reflect on it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Like. I think it's really funny how very, how many like skeptical people really rely on the, like the Myers-Briggs personality test. Yeah. And like, I get why they would prefer that over astrology, even though I kind of find astrology to be more accurate, but. It's a self-reflection tool more than anything else. Sure. And like, you know, you, you do have to input. It's not based on the stars or whatever. Like, but every time I do it, it depends, it depends on how I'm fucking feeling that day. Mine always stays the same. But it's changed um, from the past, which I think it shows progression of character. Yeah. I always get INFP or INTP. Yeah. I used to be INFP all the time. Now I'm INFJ. Oh, yeah. Recently filled it out out of curiosity. (laughs) Yeah. Because it draws you. And I was like, let me do some self-reflection. I did it with a friend and we both filled it out together and spent time talking about every single question. Oh, my. On them, sort of using it like as a baseline to discuss yeah. ourselves and our personalities and um yeah i got infj the advocate yes yeah infp is the other one <laughs> whatever the hell the dreamer the fucking so many awesome people whiny shit. INFPs. yeah but like at the end of the day it's like it's just a stellium and capricorn it's on the midheaven that's really all you need to know about me mm-hmm. i'm just tense yeah <laughs> I'm tense and unsatisfied. That's, that's what, 
That's all it is. It's Saturn's influence, all right. Uh, so the synthesis of the rave mandala. You got the I Ching, all right? So there's like three concentric circles and then the fucking pneumogram inside of it, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and oddly, astrology is not really part of this other than them wanting your birthday. Oh, no, it is. It certainly is. Oh, it is. It absolutely is. That's the, the third circle. So it's... Oh, the Western Zodiac. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't say astrology. So my my brain glossed over what the words Western Zodiac meant. So it has the outside is the I Ching. And then the middle circle is hexagram, which is strange because the I Ching is made out of hexagrams. That's what they're called. So I don't know what's going on there. Hexagram. They made up different hexagrams, something. Uh, who knows? Uh, and then the inner circle is the Zodiac signs. And human design, human design use your birthday to calculate your human design chart or body graph. It's a graphic illustration of the energetic flow within your system, a blueprint for how you operate and interact with the world. Your body graph shows your definition, anything colored in, and your openness, anything left white. Definition reveals who you are and remains consistent throughout your life. Your openness is where you are susceptible to conditioning and can result in what human design calls not-self. Well, golly, you missed one of the things in the, in the uh, rave mandala. Oh yeah, it just says chakra. Yeah, that's just it. one chakra. Yeah, in the um, in the pneumogram ass looking thing, in the center there, uh, it's these like triangles and squares that have numbers all around them. Some of them are colored in, some of them are not, and then there's all these lines going from the different numbers inside the shape to the different shapes. It's madness. It's sheer fucking madness, and I haven't been able to find the how they calculate this. I, maybe I didn't look hard enough, but yeah, I don't know how you could calculate all this. Nah. I, I don't know. It's madness. <laughs> you can't fall into the trap. You can't fall into the fucking trap. Especially, we're going to get to why I'm so easy to write this off and just call it madness in a little bit. Oh, good. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, by the end of this, you're all going to agree with me. Oh, okay. The calculation for your for d- design. Yeah. Not your personality. Your personality chart is calculated based on your time of birth, right? Yeah. But your design calculation is based on the position of the sun approximately 88 days prior to the moment of your birth. Right. So, yeah. So, there's two charts smashed into one, the moment of your conception and, or not conception, 88 days would be halfway halfway through gestation. Yeah. Something like that. It's a magic number. Start of the third trimester. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, you know what? I'll give him a point for that. Yeah, I mean, it's decent. I've always, I've always been like, you know, astrology. Like you're a person before, right? You're not all the way affected by what happens before you're born. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and like it's, it's a fucking chart, man. I don't know. <laughs> you have nine centers. Yes, which are all the little shapes that are inside of this human form. Yeah, and they correspond your to your head. Some of the chakras. Yeah, you got your head. Yeah. You got your head, which is your pressure center, your inspiration. Yeah. And then you got your Ajna, awareness center, conceptualization. That's the crown, the third eye, you know. Yeah. Ta- down towards your mouth, which makes sense, too. Yep. And then you got throat, manifestation, speaking, doing. You know, I mean, that's standard fare. And there's G. I'm guessing like God, your God. Just called G. Yeah, G. Self, love, and direction. Mm-hmm. G. Got the heart. Got the heart, motor center, ego, willpower. Yeah, yeah. Solar plexus, motor and awareness center. Sacral, motor center, life force, sexuality. Root, pressure and motor center, adrenaline, stress, spleen, awareness center, immune system, intuition. And then, like, what's hard to get across. 
I said the sacral. Ah, okay. Each one of these chakras is either a square or a triangle that has numbers around it. And from some of these numbers, maybe not all, does is it all? Some, some or all of these numbers are channels that connect to other numbers and other chakras. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, you know, and centers can be defined, colored in, or opened. And centers are connected. Yeah, that's, yeah. And the way centers are defined and connected to each other determines your type, authority, and more. Yes, and your shin bones connected to your... Your allergen is connected to your sacral. Your sacral is connected to your root. Roots connected to the G spot. There you go. Yes. So an open center in your body graph is one of the primary receptors of conditioning or outside influences. So like in this system, some of your chakras are predetermined and then some of them you can have some sort of control. Of. Yeah. So all of the pathways between these different points um, have different segments in them that can either be colored in or not colored in. Yeah. Meaning they're either defined or open. Yeah. So like... Which is the connection between your head and your heart open? Depends on who you are. And if it is open, in what ways is your heart vulnerable? You know? Yeah. And in what ways does that affect your head then? Then you're going to, you know, keep that line between the head and the heart white. You're not going to color that in. Yeah. Yeah. It's like like a whole It's a whole fucking thing. thing, dude. It's a whole thing. I mean, you could get really obsessed with this. Yeah. That's not like you could. Yes. That's absolutely it. You can get fucking obsessed with this. Just like what happened to Ra-Ru-Ru. But people are getting obsessed with this. And like, there's these fucking numbers next to... Channels, definition created by two gates connecting two centers. A channel is composed of two gates and connects two centers. Oh, it's all nonsense. It's all fucking nonsense. But dear listener, trust us. It's... There's a lot. (laughs) There's a lot of words here. Yeah. (laughs) Get the gates and hexagrams. So how about the four different types? So the four types... Yeah, it looks like we've got manifestors. What I want to say is what's really interesting is that they're not split evenly, uh-huh. which is another it's another odd kind of determinist, kind of weird, casty type of thing going on here. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to point out, like on the earlier page, it said um, on, on the, the topic of conditioning, it said, conditioning is a fact of life you cannot avoid, nor would you want to. Ignorance is the only detriment here. If you are unaware of how you are deeply conditioned through your open centers, it can overwhelm you and compromise your capacity to experience your true potential. However, when you are operating correctly and your mind is no longer making life decisions, open centers can be an incredible source of wisdom developed over time. Understanding your conditioning and how it impacts your mental, emotional, and physical well-being is the first step to leading a life as yourself. Something in that tone that really irks me. Yeah. You know? Like, it's not that it's untrue. (laughs) Right. Right? Because it is. Yeah, it is. It is. It, but it's like the words when you are operating correctly. Yeah. And your mind is no longer making life decisions, which we'll say there's a way to write that that doesn't irk me as much. A way to write that exact thing. It's sort of the concept of the true will in a lot of ways. Right. Or at least how some people have defined Crowley's true will. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I would agree that you shouldn't allow just your mind to make all of your decisions. Your body is a whole thing you want to be in that flow state yeah you want to be making those decisions cleanly and yes uh with gusto right yeah you know yeah you want your whole self to be doing that yeah but there's this uh, insinuation of perfection right and a sort of outside determined perfection in the way this shit is written that is dangerous frankly like that's in in my assessment of these things like that's that shit that gets dangerous when Mm -hmm. um 
Because uh, really, I mean, so when someone gets into this shit, there is no logical endpoint because we're constantly evolving, changing, improving, reflecting, you know, so you could do this forever. And and there's some people on like the forums who say exactly that, like, no, this is an interpretation thing. It's not nearly as hard coded as it says it is. Mm hmm. Because, I mean, there are reasonable people into everything, and I, I definitely get how this type of system could would appeal to certain people, overly, yeah. you know, the overcomplicatedness of it and, and shit. And, like, that's cool. And, like, you know, I guess I guess if you're into this stuff and you're, and you're not losing your mind over it, cool. Yeah. But I think there's a, there's, there is something about systems like this that are dangerous for some people, mm-hmm. I guess, is, is a good way to say it. Oh, yeah. But yeah I mean, f- it's a neurotic system, that's for sure. It's a psychotic system in the clinical sense, and we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, so the four types. Humanity mechanically is divided into four types. Again, I hate it. I hate that. Mechanic. <laughs> mechanically. Yeah, dude. Man- also, not true. Yeah, it's just, not divided that's, into four types. Four types of what? Well, you got your generators, which are 70% of the population. Yes. The dominant type. Their strategy is to respond. So not dominant. In fact, they... Their aura is open and enveloping. Their signature is satisfaction. The not-self theme is frustration. Generators are dominant, are the dominant type on the planet. Oh, it says dominant type, but they're not a dominant mm-hmm. type of people. They are the driving life force of the planet. Their strategy is to respond and through response to find satisfaction and avoid frustration. Yeah. They have an open and enveloping aura and need to learn about themselves. So 70% of the people don't make decisions, essentially. 70% of the people respond to the decisions that the others make projectors are 20 percent of the population so we're already up to uh 90 with the uh with two types no i think their strategy being to respond means that's the thing that they need to do to work on their like wound um because they are a generator so they're no the it's a generator as in like the manifester and we'll get to the manifester yeah gives the idea to the generator and the generator bakes it Okay. Essentially. Yeah. Um, what does the strategy mean then? The strategy for how to operate perfectly. So if you're a you if you're a generator, you should stop acting first. You should start acting second. Right. So it's it's not necessarily saying that a generator is a person that's always like taking second or a generator is not a person who follows necessarily, but it's saying that they should follow. It's saying that they that they're the if you're a generator, the best way for you to the best strategy for how to interact with the world is to play black in chess, right? And okay. is, to, is to act second. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is a fucked up thing to tell seventy percent of the population. And now there's nuance, of course. Yeah. But yeah. Projectors, twenty percent of the population. Strategy: wait for the invitation. Aura: focused and absorbing. Signature: success, not self theme. Bitterness. And I've watched like other videos and shit where they explain this, and like it literally is like, oh, if you're a projector, like. Your life will be better if you just wait for people to ask you to do things. And that's just not true for fucking anyone. Yeah. I mean, I get all these statements are so vague. I don't even really know what they mean or how to apply them to life scenarios. Well, I mean, that's what I'm telling you what yeah. right now is like what the human design influencers say is like, if you're a projector, yeah, you're supposed to, the reason you're frustrated is because you're trying to do too much shit on your own. You're supposed to wait for the invitation to do the thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's what these people are telling people when they come to them with problems in the forums and stuff. Yeah. It's so fucked up. 
Well, it makes responding to people's inquiries really easy. It's like, oh, you have a question about your life? Okay, what type are you? Yeah, yeah. It just do what that type is supposed to do. Right. Well, and the, but then there's, you know, everyone's chart is unique. And so, yeah. you know, I'm a 5'1 manifesto or whatever. <laughs> but if you'll notice, like, we're up to 90% of the population. Right. And neither of these two groups have agency yet. Right. <laughs> then you get manifestors, 1% of the population. Of course, nine. that's what Rob- They're nine. Yeah, 9% of the population. That, of course, that's what Ra Uruhu was. Their strategy is to inform. Their aura is closed and repelling. You know, secretive, dark, brooding, and interesting. Yeah. Their signature is peace. Their not self-theme is anger. 9%. 9% of the population. Their strategy is to inform before they act, to find peace and avoid anger. They have a closed and repelling aura and are here to understand their impact on others. Interesting. And then reflectors. 1% of the population. Strategy, wait a lunar cycle. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Reflectors are without definition. They have no definition. They have no colored in fucking shapes. Wow. And and yeah, the, these types are all based on what shapes are colored in. Yeah. Yeah. Reflectors, their strategy is to wait a full cycle of the moon before making decisions to find clarity, leading to a life of more surprise and less disappointment. They have a resistant and sampling aura and are learning to reflect rather than identify. Excellent. Yeah. So 9% of people make decisions. Interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. And then you got your inner and outer authority. The inner intelligence enables us to know whether a decision is correct for us or not. It's called inner authority. It's as though each of our bodies possesses an inner compass or device that reveals whether something is a healthy and fulfilling use of our energy or not. Inner authority is what you can trust to make decisions and it is never the mind. Ra Uruhu. And like different shapes are here. It's like, I guess like 35% of people have, have the sacral chakra as their inner authority. And I don't even know what the fuck is going on here. Splenic 11%. It's too much. It's too much, dude. That's, that's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. So you know what? Look, you get on, you get the definition tapes. You got the single, the split, the triple split definition, the quadruple split definition. You get fucking... You get profiles and angles, right? That 12 profiles, 12 goddamn profiles. Uh, you got the incarnation cross. What's that? Couldn't fucking tell you. Personality and design, sun slash earth, 192 possibilities, 70% of your imprint. Life's purpose. What the fuck does that mean? I don't know. I want to be a sun slasher. I, 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 don't, I don't know. There's 16 variables. You got a fucking variable calculator? You get all this shit. You know why it's so complicated? I'll tell you why in a minute. We're getting there. Why? Because then people want to figure out about every little thing and then they have to buy the software, buy the little chart and, you know. This motherfucker, the dude who invented this, true believer. Yeah. He's got a lot of videos out there too. There's a lot out there. Yeah. But that's, it was always just as complicated. That's the thing. Right. It's just very easily marketable. Now. It is very easily marketable for sure. It, it, it's kind of like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Why didn't I think of this earlier? Ra Uruhu was in advertising before he did too many drugs and disappeared for a while and then ended up in Ibiza. Oh, was he? Yeah. Well, that's interesting. That's super interesting. I have to imagine, I'm just going to take a bet. I'm just going to bet that he started working with some of his colleagues who took advantage of his crazy ass after he got back from Ibiza. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? But that is very interesting that he was in advertising. So why, why don't we just, all right, dear listener, you will be relieved to know that that's about as deep as we're going to get into the mechanics of the Rave Mandala. 
I mean, we can't, I can't go any deeper than that. And if that disappoints you, you fucking weirdo will learn that shit on your own time. I simply (laughs) cannot be asked to do that. I truly do not care. No. I just don't fucking care. Uh, Anyway, Willow, you want to see what her charts look like? Oh yeah. Mine's pulled up. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you know? I'm a generator. Are you a generator? Yeah. Let's see what I got. Well, there was a 70% chance. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a manifesting generator. Nice. I didn't even see that on the fucking, on the list. Um, it was in parentheses. Oh. Next to generator. Yeah, it looks like my, uh, top of my head's open to all the outside conditionings. Yes. Looks like my, uh, Ajna is too. Looks like, is that my sacral or is that my, uh, fuck is that? My spleen's all open and shit. So is my asshole, apparently. <laughs> it's the old root chakra. Open as the day is long. And then that, that one that's uh, off to the side there, that's that one. Man, my G-spot's all golden. Oh, mine is too. Yeah, Mine's golden, all... golden G-spot? Yeah. That's good. My incarnation, I got the definition, it's a split definition. Uh, so, like, they give you this chart, but then they don't really tell you um, how to read it or what to do with well, it. Well, they uh, say so you can download your free ebook, Discover Your Design, to find out more about human design and what it can do for you with this quick guide. Oh, okay. You, know, you will discover three steps to transformation, strategies for decision-making, and explore a new path to self-discovery. You begin your journey with our ebook and a special series of emails guiding you through the, through the three steps of transformation. And I've been trying to get this fucking ebook. Can't do it. Yeah, it's it's not working. It's just not it's just not letting me get it. Wow. Yeah. So so I don't know bitch. about all that. Little bitch. I'm a manifesting generator. That means I have a slight bit more agency than you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have none. <laughs> you just respond. Yep. <sighs> all right. It's time to learn about the man. Ra Uru who. Alan Robert Krakauer. He's born April 9th, nineteen forty eight. Montreal, Canada. (sighs) Fourth child of an upper middle class family. Um, As a teenager, he performed his own music and he smoked weed. Cool. I mean, yeah. yeah. Cool. As an adult, he went through three marriages. All right. Became father to a daughter, ran an advertising agency and TV production company with about 12 employees, and made a lot of money. I didn't write this. This is from the key to yourself.com. Just and he made a lot of money. Continuing using marijuana and also cocaine. That's also one full sentence, continuing using marijuana and also cocaine. At the end of spring 1983, he left everything behind and ended up in Ibiza where he lived outside society, continuing his journey with drugs and as a loner. <laughs> For a period of time, he even lived in a tree with a wild dog as company. Oh, yeah. You know, after three marriages, you're, you know, you're rich. It's like, yeah. Yeah. At the beginning of 1987, he lived in an old ruin. That was the place where on 3rd January... He had his mystical encounter. Now, if y'all don't know anything, if you don't know why I keep saying Ibiza, Ibiza in the 1980s, and now, it's fucking wild. Yeah. Ibiza is a Spanish island in the Mediterranean Sea. It's fucking rave island. Has been for a while. I actually have, um, I have a clip here uh, of, um, it's from a little YouTube documentary about the making of a an album LCD sound systems, uh, this is happening. They have, a, they have a little clip that explains something else that came out of Ibiza. Good right. is badminton, but you're just trying to keep it going. You're not trying to score. And it gets better mitten, great mitten, and exquisite mitten. Oh. Oh. And good is positive mitten. Oh, oh, just trying to keep it in play. Yeah. And it gets as much oh, arc as you can. Oh, that counts, that counts. 
Yeah. LCD invented Goodminton in Ibiza on MDMA. Goodminton. It's like good. It's like badminton, but there's no losers. Yes. There's good minton. Only rave culture could produce better minton, great minton, and it's exquisite minton. Yes. That's what else came out of Ibiza. That's the other system that came out of Ibiza. And there's shit minton. There's definitely human design the shit minton. Point is, this motherfucker was on drugs. Obviously. Yeah. (laughs) So while in Ibiza in 1987, and other biographies of him do state like unequivocally that he disappeared for three years before ending up in Ibiza. Mm-hmm. So that's I choose I tend to believe that just yeah. because it makes sense. Why do these fucking dudes who love drugs? We got Nick Land and fucking Ra Uruhu. They both love drugs, disappear for a while, and come up with overcomplicated systems that'll drive people insane. Yeah. I mean, different time time scales for each one. Well, you know, some people do this and other people like have a really elaborate D&D campaign, you know? Yeah. You mean like it's the same shit just channeled into different um, yeah, avenues. What you're saying is some people have fun. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. None of this sounds fun, but okay. He was living in a ruina, an old ruin that his friend owned a dog that he just like gets rid of at the end of the story for some reason. And says, like, the dog wanted to be free. It's like, no, dude, you just abandoned your fucking dog. And one day he came home to the Rowena and the friend who owned it wasn't there. And he just had a fucking total psychotic break. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Just a complete psychotic break for what he says was eight days. I don't know if it was. And so that's the, it's this psychotic episode that created all of human design. And just to really stress the point, um, I'm going to, first going to play this video from a human design influencer so we can get a vibe of who exactly is into this right now. You're probably here because someone told you about human design. You went to look up your chart and you're like, what the heck even is this? I get it because that used to be me. In this video, I want to teach you how to read the human design body graph, but also dive into how to pull out the practical application of this knowledge from day one. I'm Amanda Horvath and I help eliminate the obstacles to getting you sitting where I'm sitting right now in front of the camera, sharing your message with the world. Now I am a 4-1 projector in human design and I I am obsessed with using this body of knowledge to help my clients be able to build a life, business, and marketing strategy that actually matches their energy types so that they don't burn out. So if you're... Yeah, she's got other other videos that are just like human design strategy for business and marketing. Yep. Design your lifestyle. How I use human design for design my lifestyle. But then there's also like how to speak naturally on camera. How to use the tools YouTube gives you to get more views on your videos and shit. Mm-hmm. Wicked girl boss. Yeah. And there's a bunch of others too. Like that is the, the fucking vibe of this shit. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Ross going to the Rowena and here we go. I don't know how this is going to go. We're just going to start going. By the way, dear listener, I didn't sleep last night. Uh-huh. Yeah. We're dealing with that on top of everything else. funny about memory. I mean, what happened to me was not sequential. It was a kind of uh, action synthesis that I can deconstruct into components, but it's not the same as what it was to experience it. I pushed the key in the door. I turned the key and I pushed the door open inward and to the left and I pushed the door open. 
The kerosene lantern was lit and it was spinning. It's the first thing that I noticed. Willow, you got to take a step up and look at what this video looks like. I hear birds, so I'm guessing he's standing outside. No. What the hell? Yeah. It's like... That's not what I was expecting. It's like a decently well-framed shot of his ass, but then the backdrop is just... A picture of him? A close-up of the mouth that's talking, and it's just like this the whole way. Disturbing. It's... mm -hmm. Oh, we're just getting started, dude. And at the same moment that I, I pushed open the door and saw the lantern spinning, my dog, Barley, crossed the threshold of the doorway. And as he crossed the threshold of the doorway, he fell like, well, like a creature that's been shotgunned close range. (laughs) (laughs) And at the same moment, uh, I heard a voice. Um, It wasn't pleasant. As I kind of imagined it as the voice of a cigar smoking 155 year old woman. It was quite a voice. And as I heard that voice, as the dog crashed, as the lantern spun. (laughs) Wow. uh, My body exploded with water. It was gushing from my head. I mean, liquid water gushing from my head, from my arms and my legs and my groin, everything was dripping water. There was a pool, literally a pool of my body water on the floor. So let's let's recap. Yeah. He opens the door. He starts seeing a lantern doing spinning. Yes. Doing, because he's on drugs. Spinning around. He's like, whoa. The dog flops on the floor like a dog, Mm -hmm. like a dog do sometimes. You know, when they just like flop when they're tired and yep. you're all cute. Yeah. Like a dog. And then he hears a cigar smoking 155 year old woman in his head. Yeah. And then he starts sweating a lot is what happened. Gushy water gushing from every part of his body. Wow. Pool of his body. Like he just started sweating. Yeah. Yeah. So just so we're all clear. He's leaking. He's leaking. Ugh. I once thought it would be very funny to do this as a comedy routine. (laughs) Because it's funny in a way. It is. Madness always is. Madness always is, dude. The dog was lying on the ground in this pool of my water, and the voice said to me, move it out of the way. I moved it out of the way. I dragged the dog under my desk and put it there. It would be there for eight days. Um... It would never move. Uh. Didn't seem to be breathing. It didn't seem to be breathing. And closed the door. And I closed the door. Instructions. I'm a manifester. (laughs) (laughs) If you tell me what to do, the chances are I will never pay attention to you again. (laughs) And here I was in a situation where... I was almost like an obedient dog, a frightened one. Wow. I'm speechless. I know. Uh, the voice told me to do things. <laughs> and Uh-oh. the first thing that I had to do is that I had a, um, a butane stove, you know, with two little burners on it. I don't like where this is going. <laughs> and I was told to, to light the fire on the stove, so I lit the fire on the stove. 
<laughs> the fucking whisper voice. Science fiction. Uh. The lights. I start the fire on the stove, and as I start the fire on the stove, the the hair goes up on the back of my neck, and there's this um, neon blue light about that big, hovering in the middle of the room. There it is. Just, the voice says, follow the light, which today is very funny. Now, very so quickly, I, I just want to point out how fucking often some sort of paranormal entity shows up as a floating blue light. Yeah. All the goddamn time mm-hmm. in stories from all over the fucking place. It is like the most ubiquitous component to a, a fucking encounter with an otherworldly creature. A floating blue light. Yep. Less common is orange, but blue is, that's the one. So that's where I went, wait a second. <laughs> now, wait, just a hey darn second. Hold up. So. Today is very funny. So I follow the light. And up until that point, I, throughout my deconstruction period, I had worn a, a mufti Arab headdress. And uh, there was a Buddha shroud that somebody had brought to me from Burma that was hanging on the wall. And the light went over to the Buddha shroud, so I put the Buddha shroud on. And then the light went over to the library. It pointed out three books. One was uh, a King James Version of the New Testament. One of them was the Bhagavad Gita. And one of them was a Stanford biology textbook. Under instruction, I placed all of these things on on my platform. There was a woven chessboard made out of leather. And uh, there was um, a copper coil of wire that was used uh, by the man who lived there, was used to make these butterflies. (laughs) There were all these various things that I gathered and placed on the platform following this this line and then i was told to take herbs from the shelves i had no idea what was in these (laughs) jars he was a herbalist and and scoured all over the island for all kinds of different roots and herbs and he made all kinds of strange concoctions I, i was not familiar with any of it and the light would go to various jars, and I would take the contents, and I would put them on top of the stove, directly on top of the fire, and they would burn. <coughs> um, wow. Slowly the room began to fill with, with smoke. This motherfucker is just taking random plants and from an herbalist. In the smoke. Lighting them on fire. Letting the room fill with smoke. Yeah. In a an Arab mufti, as he calls it, and a, a Buddha shroud. Yes. With a metal coil, a dog he thinks is dead. <laughs> yeah. This is a scene. <laughs> and there's a blue orb. Yeah, he's being guided by a goddamn ultra-terrestrial. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it wanted the three books. Remember last week? That's what the aliens want. They want our Bibles. That's right. That's why they needed the Stanford textbook. That's fucking right. That's just a different version of a Bible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Tomes of our understanding. Exactly. And then I put on the mask, Pascal's mask, one of the two masks in the room, cracked mask, 
crack right down the middle, right across the nose. A, com a kind of comedy dell'arte mask. <laughs> so you have to see the scene and you have to appreciate it for its madness, eh? <laughs> yep. Madness is such drama. So there I am sitting cross-legged on my platform, wearing a Buddha shroud over my head and a cracked mask and the smoke of burning herbs. And in front of me is this, this chessboard with a coil. In the middle of the coil are all of these books. <laughs> At the foot of my bed, I had been introduced to theosophical thought. And I was investigating ray charts, very kind of obscure. Oh. <laughs> and I had all of these examples of some of the people that I knew. And the voice told me to go get one of these charts specifically. And he said to me, put it on the fire. I put the, half the chart on top of the smoldering herbs under the flames from the gas bomb. Gonna put the theosophy shit. And went back yeah, onto the, the platform. Yeah, so he fucking, he puts the paper on the fire. The paper doesn't burn. And I'll spare you, you all for the, from this part of the tale. Uh-huh. So he, he puts the dude's, the piece of paper on the fire and it doesn't burn. Yeah. Then he starts hearing shit. He's given these nonsense mantras, just sounds. Cool. Syllables, right? He repeats one and the paper burns. And he says that he sees the truth, uh, quote, rave cosmology style. That's a direct quote. <laughs> okay. Then I'll let him tell the... Just sat there. Spanish voices. I'd make out what I was looking at. I was looking at a piece of paper sitting on top of flames, and it wasn't burning. And noise, one of three mantras, what it meant. I repeated it a number of times. Funny thing, too, felt like I was levitating because I couldn't feel my body touching the platform at all, at all. It's because the room Nothing. was filled with smoke of indeterminate herbs. Yes. Probably weed. And then the voice began to teach me, and it was wonderful. Because when it spoke, I had no pain. There was just this kind of um, floating in, in a information field. The story of the Big Bang rave cosmology style. Yeah. The mechanics, the crystals of consciousness, the nature of being. I'd never heard anything like it. I was very silent. I've never known myself to be so silent. Bro, you're whispering. Yeah. It was more than raining. It was pouring rain. I remember floating through the night. <laughs> not awake, not asleep. Couldn't sleep with the pain. I had no hunger. I had no thirst. You were on drugs. When the morning light came, the voice said to me, there's somebody at the door. Open the door. <laughs> I opened the door and there's two people standing there. An Englishman and his girlfriend from India. It was his chart that burned on the fire. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, my God. He's standing there. He's got this deeply confused look on his face because the <laughs> two of them were on the way to France. They had already gone across on the ferry and suddenly felt compelled to return to see me, not knowing why. Let's reinterpret that. Englishman and his girlfriend he knows him. They're friends. He probably doesn't have a lot of friends since he's a weird dude who lives in a tree with a stray dog, right? Yeah. Well, he's the weird mid-30s Canadian advertising exec 
who lives in a tree with his dog, right? The one dude he considers a friend, his girlfriend, they're leaving. And then they say to each other, should we check on Alan? That's what happened. Yeah. They got there and then Alan asks, why are you guys here? And they say, I, I don't know. We just felt like we had to see you. Like, well, why'd you feel like you had to speak? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I just thought I want to check on you. Like, that's what happened. Right. And he interprets it in this fucking mystic fucking asshole when way. really, they were just worried about him. Yeah. And this like narcissist, mystic fucking dumbass way is yeah. what's going on here. But yeah, they were just worried about his ass. Yep. It was his chart that he burned because that's the one friend he probably had, the one dude who would check on him when he was going through shit. Maybe they had a night together beforehand, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As they're standing in the doorway, the voice tells me to let them in. So I let them in. It was very odd. She sat in the chair beside my dog, the one that didn't move, didn't breathe, never noticed. He sat at the other end of the platform from me. And then the voice said to me, you tell him precisely what I tell you. Okay. No arguments from me. Tell him about the crystals of consciousness. So I told him about the crystals of consciousness. (laughs) (laughs) And after I told him about the crystals of consciousness, the voice said to me, now you tell him that you can give him the crystal that belongs to him. (laughs) Good. Told him. Mm-hmm. And the voice told me to tell him to come back that evening. Oh, that's what I told them. And the voice told me to throw them out, and that's what I did. When <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I closed the door, I went over to the desk. <laughs> I was to get my first taste of, well... So then he... Then he draws the first body graph by automatic writing. Mm-hmm. He just draws the rave mandala, the rave ching by automatic writing, which is a diagram of the chakras and the zodiac and the I Ching yeah. all around each other. Right. Something that someone could definitely draw. It also looks like a lot of like business type um, graphics. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like It's got a very like white collar design sensibility. So I totally see what part of his subconscious it came from. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it looks like a weird version of the Tree of Life, too. Yep. Like I mean, that's in there, too, for yeah. sure. Uh, let's see. That night, they came back. People came back. Just as they were told to do. Mm-hmm. And I invited them in, and we closed the door. And she went over and sat down by the desk, as before. And he and I would sit on the platform, and I collected between us all of those things from the night before. The ritual materials. The leather chessboard and the coil and the books. I put on the shroud. I put on the cracked mask and I gave him the other mask. And I put the herbs on the fire (laughs) in a room filled with smoke. And I sat opposite him. Now madness is an interesting thing. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing after all. None like caught in this incredible choiceless movie strange movie and he looked at me wondering what was going to happen and i had no idea i had told him he was going to get the crystal he deserved 
And is it just me? Or is that creepy as all fuck? Yeah. 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 I mean, this voice guiding him, telling him what to do, and the way he, things. The way he's retelling the story is creepy. Oh yeah. Yeah, like he's creepy. He's being fucking creepy about it, man. And whimsical. Uh, it's creepily whimsical. He's trying to be whimsical, but he's ended up real creepy. Yeah. As I could feel his tension, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, out of his right ear, I mean, out of his ear, came a light. Small, vibrating, three-dimensional white light. And it went straight up in the air. And it came directly over my head and went into my head. And the moment that it went into my head, he began to vomit. And I don't mean gag. I mean a river <laughs> pouring out of him like, whoa, you don't <laughs> see anything like Like, whoa. Sir, it might have been all the burning shit that you don't know what it is in the room. Mm-hmm. Sir, it might have been all the smoke. Yeah. The indeterminate chemicals and the indeterminate herbs. Mm-hmm. The sheer oddness of it all. Yeah. But no. But no. There was an incredible rush of adrenaline. The voice told me to send them away. <laughs> Get the fuck out of my house. And I told them to leave. She got up and went out the door. He wouldn't move. He was just retching. I can remember grabbing the the bed cover that he was on and yanking him from there and literally dragging him out and throwing him into the puddle outside the front door in the courtyard of the Ruina and slamming the door behind me. Many years ago, about three years after the event, I met this man again. He claimed that I had stolen his Ajna Center. I'd been institutionalized for a number of years. I have um, his friend, our mutual friend, who actually was the one who lived in the Ruina. He asked me one day what had happened. And so he was a poet. So a poet poem came out from me. It's called Chase the Laughter. Okay, so, okay. Yes. Now, so after he throws this motherfucker out of his house, this dude who's just puking on himself because he breathed in like a whole bunch of like weird plants and chemicals, mm -hmm. he throws him out of his house into a puddle. He says he remembers dragging him out of there and throwing him into a puddle. Yeah. Which isn't cool. Sorry, Rod, that's not cool, bud. I don't care what the voice tells you. And then they fuck off and he sees him like decades later, this dude again. And, um... Fucking this dude accuses him of stealing his Ajna center. Yeah. Like his Ajna chakra. The light, the little white light. And this English dude says that he had been institutionalized for three years. Like he went crazy after this. Mm-hmm. Just all just odd. And uh, the mutual friend, the dude who introduced them, who owned the Ruina, asked Ra-Uru-Hu what had happened. Yeah. And because he was a poet, he gives a poem. I'm going to take a piss and then we're going to listen to this fucking poem. Cool. I don't know. Will, have you ever, have you ever seen someone who like probably shouldn't do psychedelics 
who does a lot of psychedelics and oh, just gets creepy yeah. with it. Yes, yes, yes. Doesn't this, isn't just this just that? You know what I mean? Like. Kinda. Just the way the dude's talking and shit, the cadence. But you're not looking at his face, too. The no, facial expressions are a big part. Um, Yeah, the way he talks is creepy. Yeah, and just like. Like, <clears throat> these stories are interesting and entertaining, but the way he tells it. He tells it with such, like, gravitas. Like, it's the most important thing that ever happened. I don't know about that, but. Well, it is because it's, yeah. it it created his whole life after that. Like this is the yeah the genesis of human design, right? Like he's telling it as if it's a truly mystical experience. It is not for the dude's girlfriend who just watched her her boyfriend get thrown into a pu- yeah. now a puddle of rainwater and his own puke. Mm-hmm. Like that's just a bad weekend in Ibiza. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. He's telling us if it's the most important mystical thing in the world right there. Not in the world, in his life. In his life, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Chase the laughter. Can't wait to hear this. They came on time, expecting, not knowing. Who could have possibly known what's new? Dark breakfast, India, cunt of Shiva, no on, no off, just so. And he too, like a martinet, chaplainess, strut, and Oxford stuff, not fools to be taken heavenly, no why. He liked to talk of being. He thought he could see. He knew he knew nothing. They came on time. The tralala players, layers and layers and layers into the house of the master. Who can run faster, chase the laughter? The department of planning is having a get-together. They're very clever. And he was so busy pretending what he thought, he couldn't understand that he crossed the line. He erased time. He was hopelessly mine. Who? Who could have possibly known chasing time down escalators for the benefit of fragile rocks? He cried, thief, thy if. Taking back was the key. Taking back was the key. Look out for the Holy Ghost superstar caviar on toast. He was unprepared. Consciousness was spared. He touched the warp at the edge of the center. The family cried, who can enter? Three, you'll agree, is all you ever get to see. Three, you'll agree is all you ever get to see. Well, we'll see smoke and masks, Pascal's cracked armor, chessboard hexagrams of leather with biblical hands touching. It's all a matter of light. Into the house of the master, who can run faster, chase the laughter? He was left in the dust, mule. What he bore, he never knew. And what he lost, he could never see. And what he has left is up to me. See? Now where's the laughter? It's from the here and after. Can't you agree that nothing we see is the same for you and me? Can't you agree that nothing we see is the same for you and me? Well, if you can't, here's the chant. Faster and faster. Chase the laughter. Well... It was an odd beginning. I liked the poem. You liked the poem? I did. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. I liked it. You liked it? Yeah. Okay. Really? I don't mind this guy. For all of his creepiness, there's something about him that's like, yeah, if I was like at a record store or something, like I might have a, a chat with him for like 10 minutes, you know? 
that poem is just so dark. Yeah. It's about like stealing his fucking soul. Like he turned, this dude turns into a villain in, in Ra's mind for some fucking reason. When in reality, like Ra just threw him in a fucking puddle after he made him puke with a bunch of weird herbs. Yeah. And then he's writing a poem. Like what happened, dude? What, what the fuck happened over here? And he just spits out this poem about how he ate the dude's soul or something. It's fucked up. Yeah. Anyway, it's an odd thing to do. It, it certainly is. is an odd beginning. Goddamn right about that. Now, he says that he lived with this strange thing, the light Uru, like that, the light, the Ajna center that he stole from this dude. Mm-hmm. It says that he lived with it for 20 years and he talks with it every day. And that's the thing that gave him his name. He was already raw before he had the experience. Right. Because he's such a fucking narcissist. That's what he called himself. Uh, and then he gave him the name Uru. And after he throws this dude out of his house, he basically just gives into the madness and starts trying to work out everything in human design mechanically. Like all the all the mechanics, all the bullshit yeah. that we already went through. And at this point, I couldn't give a shit any fucking longer. It's more of the same, more lights, more possession, more schizophrenia. Day three, he's covered in scales and has no genitals. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, you know. It's just interesting that a lot of the people that are into this seem very sane. Sane. They seem like influencers. Right. They have ring lights. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're probably batshit crazy. Maybe. I don't know. Well, there are also at least, we have the eyes to see a fucking spunion. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, that's a spunion. Right. You know, I don't see this as being that different than astrology in terms of like oh. the application that it has in people's lives. I mean, I do. Astrology but we'll, we'll can get, drive you crazy too. You know, I, I absolutely do see differences. Well, we, yeah. we can get to that um, in a bit. I just want to, I've got like three more clips. I want to finish up cool. with this. That night, the voice took me outside. There was this um, cracked glass old piece of mirror. And I stood in front of that thing and yeah, magical mystery tour of my past lives, all kinds of images. It was boring, actually, <laughs> given the intensity of everything else. His past lives are boring. I never mm-hmm. really have had much of a sense of, or interest in past lives. I never enjoyed it when the voice told me about me. It was much more entertaining to simply <laughs> survive whatever it was and not have to deal with the madness of being told that you were this or that or the other thing whatever it was voice never told me what to do in the sense of what my experience was for yeah it wasn't like go out there and do something with this i guess that's an obvious One experience for me was really amazing, very confusing. I guess it's like people who have multiple personalities. I had this experience of being taught about the body graph and all of the centers suddenly had voices. Then they were all talking to me from inside my body, talking to me from my own centers. Very strange. Rather frightening, actually. All these voices inside, male, female, young, old, arguing, talking over each other. People have wondered over the years how I received the information. You know, because there's so much 
information and human design. It was planted in me. I guess that's the only way I can describe it. Yeah, all the surface things, my neocortex was given certain information that it could handle. The body graph, the infrastructure, the, the way in which things work, the basic story of the cosmology. But this incredible capacity to be able to filter anything through its matrix. You know, I was engineered. I mean, I, somebody was engineered. I, I guess this is the way that it works. It certainly is the way that it is worked for me. I never got to say anything. So it's really creepy. This stuff about like all of your organs, your like body centers talking to you. It's a uh, disco Elysium. Yeah. But first he says he doesn't like hearing about himself. He's more interested in just surviving rather than learning about himself. Right. That to me is just the whole crux of his problem. Then he says that he was engineered to be, to have this like superhuman capacity to automatically filter everything through the system that this experience gave him. Mm-hmm. Bro, fuck you. Yeah, it's really kind of a cocky takeaway. So narcissistic. Automatically filtering and explaining everything through a made-up story that you tell yourself to avoid confronting your own brokenness. It's literally the oldest trick in the fucking book. Mm-hmm. It's a fun game to play, too. It has its place. Does he, like, pretend not to be flawed? Or, like, that he has everything figured out from this? I mean, this is neutrinos, dude. This is yeah. mechanically, scientifically sound. He yeah. knows the story of the cosmos. Right. And it is literally true. And he yeah. is superhumanly engineered. He does say, like, well, at least it's been true for me. But th he, what he's saying is mm -hmm. that it's neutrinos, right? Yeah. The end was beautiful. The end was beautiful. Right at the end. As end should be. Yes, it's true. You, but you fucking goddamn uh, loser. The eighth day. Eight days. And the voice told me to, to go up onto the mountain above the Ruina. Beautiful place. Very isolated. Beautiful view. And I went up there and I sat down. I guess it was around midday. The voice told me that it was leaving. And then it said the strangest thing to me. It said, stare into the sun. <laughs> and you know, as a joke, considering all the madness I had been through, I don't know why I was so upset with the idea that I was going to stare into the sun, but I was. <laughs> My assumption was you go blind doing that. The voice gave me a, a mantra, told me that the sun was my dog. Sawelu, my dog. So I sat there and I opened up my eyes to the sun. And as I did that, the voice, well, it was gone. Incredible experience to stare into the sun, full stare. Have the light burn through the eyes down into the esophagus. You said that after this experience, when you close your eyes, you have a light in your head. 
that you talk to. Mm-hmm. You burned out your fucking retinas. <laughs> That's what that is. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Blue angel dancing in the flames, the blue flames burning into your body. Yeah. Blue angels and blue flames. The dogs know. Yep. Yep. Maybe hours I was there. At some point I stopped and began to walk down the, the hill. And as I walked down the hill, racing up to greet me was barley. Eight days, no movement, no breath, no food, no liquid, no nothing. There he was. Seriously, Dad, was eight days. Bouncing along, wagging yeah. his tail, happy as hell. And it was over. I was not relieved. I thought it would have been. You only have that kind of magic if you're lucky. Once in a hundred lifetimes. To step out, go beyond the veil. Great nihilist like me meeting the forces. Wonderful. And how depressing it was to come back into the world of the not-self. And to be a freak in that world. To have nothing. To have all this knowledge. And to have nothing. Yeah. So it goes. What to do. There it is. Mm-hmm. That's the whole fucking, this fucking guy. By the way, dear listener, we listened to about 25 minutes of an hour and a half video. Yeah. And you sped it up too at a certain point. I actually didn't speed it up. I'm going to chop it down in okay. post and cut out the long pauses. Stand to be sped up. Oh God, I'm going to speed the shit out of it. <laughs> I am going to shorten oh, all those God. fucking pauses, dude. Yeah. So then, then this bitch is depressed because he has all this knowledge and nothing in the material world. And he's a freak. And didn't he have three marriages and a daughter already? Didn't he have a bunch of money? Yeah. But he gets all this knowledge. He's depressed because no one understands him. Fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we really don't know anything about this man's personal life whatsoever, which is why I've, I know I he's mean, a fucking narcissist. Yeah. This is a failed initiation. Yeah. If he had just done this all under his own name, I think I would have also different feelings. Sure. Yeah. You know, he, there, there are tests. He did not pass the test. The test is reintegration, right? You're correct in saying that a lot of this stuff is no different than any other mystic experience. Mm-hmm. A lot of mystic experience, mystic initiations resemble schizophrenia. It's kind of the point going fucking nuts. Then yeah. coming back and reintegrating and becoming better and more fuller as a result, mm-hmm. more engaged in the world. Yeah. He takes this thing and re- reintegration, and it's not easy, but he takes this thing and it, he takes it in this narcissistic direction where this is all literally true with mechanical mathematical reasons. Yeah. I thought it was interesting when he said, and I had no interest in asking it about myself. Like, yeah. that's because you're talking to yourself. You don't need to ask yourself about yourself. This whole thing is you discovering things about yourself but he doesn't see it that way right he sees it as discovering things about the is. objective world but that's exactly that's all it is it's his version it's his perspective of the objective world and he doesn't right. realize that right 
Yeah. Yeah. Because that's when he systematizes it and tries to teach it to people to validate himself. Right. And it's a unique and interesting perspective, but it's not the be all end all. It's just one in a pantheon. I mean, the general gist of what he's saying is that yeah. there are packets of information that fly through the cosmos and that's the reason things seem mm-hmm. to have meaning behind them. Yeah. It's not new original. Or I would even say particularly kooky. Right. I would say he's a fucking narcissist. Yeah. And he takes it. It's that fatal flaw again of trying to concretize the poetry and metaphor of the thing and in such a way to make sense of it for other people. Mm-hmm. And it strikes me as a thing that it's, it's, he needs validation reflected back at him because otherwise he's a freak. He's well, not he, normal. He is a reflector. He's a manifester. Oh. He gave himself the good one. Okay. Yeah. There's also like, I don't want to call it an end times prophecy, but there's an end times prophecy about a changing age in 2027. And it's got that typical ridiculous human design shit. Like we're going to be entering the cross of the rising Phoenix or some dumb shit. Yeah. 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 Can't wait for that. I know. Right. Um, let's just, let's just, just again. In this video, I'm going to walk through the practical application of human design and how you can use the information that it gives you to build a business that you love. God. Yeah, dude. So corporatized. Yeah, it's, I don't understand what, like, I I guess I do understand why that type of system and aesthetic appeals to that type of person, but I don't get why Ra-Uruhu's retelling of it does. And there's a ton of fucking videos about his ass. Oh, really? I mean, yeah, he's in a ton I've, of videos. I've never heard about this guy. I didn't either until I heard, a, design. I, until I read a story about some woman who lost her damn mind. Wandering around. On, and, and I mean, casualties. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's only, the search interest has only exploded in the last couple of years. Like, it's an older thing, but it's having its moment now. Uh, yeah. That's honestly, that's all I, what I got for human human design. I don't know, man. <laughs> and what the fuck does it have to do with the fucking queen of pentacles, queen of discs? Dude, I don't know. Like, because she, like that figure is like the opposite of this. Let's break it down. We can do this. We can do this. I believe in us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if if Alan is a manifester, then that means his aura is closed and repelling. So, he can't he can't help what his aura is if if he's so repellent, you know. That's true. <laughs> That's true. It's part of who he is. Queen of Discs is the watery part of Earth. Right? Yeah. Could say the emotion emotional attachment to materiality. Yes, very nurturing. I think the Queen of Discs refers to Ra Uru's Ra Uruhu's emotional attachment to seeing his system concretized in the objective world. Mm. He wants to see in the objective world the truth of the madness inside his own head. Yeah. Which is why he got so angry, probably, at the friend that visited him mm-hmm. because he wasn't validating him, you know? Yeah. I think that's what I got for the Queen of Discs. Also, what is the birthdays attached to the Queen of Discs? I got to say, this is the hardest tarot card yet. My my own personal headcanon is because I was talking so much while you were shuffling is that it's a card actually meant for me. Probably. <laughs> But I mean, fucking or or meant for homeboy with the raft. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't feel right when I pulled it either. This is the only time that we've had this issue. Yeah. Queen of Pentacles is connected. Queen of Discs is connected to Capricorn, which is a sign of business authority. Yes. Hierarchy. It's, it's a sign of material assurance. 
Oh yeah, she's the queen. Yeah. She's the queen of coins. She's the queen of she's the queen of coins. And that doesn't necessarily always mean money. Mm-hmm. It does mean the physical world, physical yes. things. She's or, nourished. And she's got her garden all full, her kitchen's all stocked, she's cooking great meals. Yeah, but there's she's always a, a dark side too. Oh yeah. Don't like you, you know, because the fact that this is a an earth court card. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the thing that I latched onto is that materiality aspect of human design. Yeah. That's important. Like that, that's the only reason that I'm not like, oh, I fucked up. Mm-hmm. I wasn't concentrating hard enough. Well, I think the the shadow aspect of the the queen of of pentacles is perhaps a a selfishness over her bounty. Yeah. That could be of information. Yeah. You no. Know? Frustration. Mm-hmm. The outside world. I mean, an emotional attachment to the material things means that it goes both ways. Yeah. Love and hate. In the Thoth deck, it shows her like in like this throne of, I don't know what the hell, looks like green metal roots or something, mm-hmm. looking out over what's probably like the Nile, a river in the desert. And she's yeah. got her scepter and there's like a goat next to her, the old Capricorn thing. And I mean, if she's looking out over the Nile and she's like, I, I see her as like envisioning irrigation systems in right. cities and and what could be yes. in the uh in the material world for her. Right? Mm-hmm. Going to Ibiza in the 80s is a very particular thing to do. Yeah. It's a very specific thing to do. I do wonder if this guy is like one of those dudes who goes looking real hard for a mystical experience and forces it. Yeah. Oh, the other thing is that like he said that the Ruina was built over a deep cave that was like really ancient and shit. Hmm. And I was like, oh interesting blue orb you say. Yeah, how yeah. about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, um. <laughs> just thinking, this is literally the hardest tarot card we've ever pulled. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if it's just because I haven't slept. That could be it. Maybe. Yeah, I, th- I think I I think it refers to, simply put, Ra Uru, Al- Alan Robert Krakauer's fucking emotional enmeshment with... The outside world. Yes. The need for validation, the need for... Yeah. I mean, we saw this in Connor Murphy, too, too, in in a different way. He's a different... um, He has a different archetypal energy. Yeah. But they both reached that point of, like, spirituality, spiritual awakening, where they were like, I know the truth and I must share it. Exactly. And cannot get past that and realize that everyone has their own truth. Well, absolutely. And that's... uh... But, of course, if you think you know the truth and it's the great truth, then you... It's your duty to share it. You sure. You have to. I mean, you know? we see that time and time. I mean, that's the same thing with Richard Bandler and NLP. Yep. It's the same thing with Elizabeth Clare Prophet. Yeah. It's the same thing with um, fucking the presidential candidate. Not, yeah. Not John McAfee. Mm-hmm. What's his name? David. David Raphael. Yeah. Same thing with him. Yes. It's like that. And that's why I said like, that's the fatal flaw of this thing. It's of It's a types. classic- classic story and and we see it's the literalizing and concretizing these things that work symbolically and it's these types of experiences all these guys are businessmen too that we brought up yeah i mean so they're all deeply already enmeshed in the physical world and yeah results from the things in their heads right right and these types of experiences are only great if you use them to you know i'm a big proponent of developing your own spirituality your own religion essentially like uh, yeah of which it's only you Mm -hmm. like i've had some whack as fuck 
psychedelic experiences. Yeah. I don't like talking about them to people that aren't my closest friends because I don't want to be this fucking guy. Yeah. You know, I have a worldview. I have a way that I see the whole fucking thing and that's mine. Yes. Not yours. I would not impose mine on others because they wouldn't want it. They wouldn't want and it <laughs> no. wouldn't work. It wouldn't work for them. They would lose their fucking minds trying to force it to work. Yeah. And that's the problem. It's not that these guys have wacky experiences. It's that other people look at it and try to make it theirs. Yeah. And that's what's fucked up. Mm-hmm. I mean, shit. He told his buddy that he was giving him his crystal. Right. You can't give a man his own crystal. Crystal's been inside him the whole time, man. Yeah. I'm not even on drugs. I know that. My God. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's definitely in the same way that looking up your Myers-Briggs might be useful just if you want an evening of self-reflection. Yes. Um, You could probably take away some useful things from your human design chart if you wanted to. But if, if you, you wanted became to. obsessed with it and it was your whole thing, like nothing should be your whole thing. The problem is that it says that it's literally scientifically true. Yeah. You know, and that's what it hangs its hat on. So that's why it's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Like that's why it's fucking bad. I mean, yeah. you know, it's astrology does not do that. Mm-hmm. In fact, like people trying to add a 13th Zodiac sign that isn't like evenly in there because that's what the stars have done. It's like, no, nah, it's not about the literal position of the stars. Right. It's just not about that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah acting like this is a scientific thing is not the right framing for it magic is not science yeah it's just not science right you know, crowley said that fucking the the methods of science the aim of religion thing that was such a bad thing for him to say yeah because it's just not the methods of science no it's the methods of fucking madness and the aim of religion but not the aim of proselytizing you fucker mm-hmm. yeah so that's what i got for human design i'm sorry <laughs> yeah you know, I'm going to have some fun digging into it a little more. I'm, I'm moving on. Yeah. But you know what? Like the reason I did this is because it does seem like this shit is having a moment right now. Mm-hmm. So keep a lookout. Like, I don't know if it'll fizzle or not. Yeah. But like it might not. Mm-hmm. Keep keep a lookout. I, I wish it was slightly less bullshit so I could have like explained the theory behind it more. But I swear to God, I don't know how this thing's calculated. And I had to decide between like really say. focus on his fucking ass story or the system. I don't know. I'm so tired. Yeah. 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 You need some sleep. And I'm just tired of this too. Yep. I did a dog story to get, to get cleansed. And then I just ended up right back here. Yeah. Fuck. fuck. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's good though. Well, dear listener. Dear listener. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram. If you like what we do, find value in what we do, give a little back. Go to patreon.com slash nonsense bizarre. Get access to our bonus series, The Corkboard Bazaar, for only $5 a month. We talk about shit. We uh we look at stuff. We research stuff. We uh I want to oh, want to, I gotta get some burner phone numbers. Mm-hmm. We gotta call some people. Oh yeah. We have the technology. We have some prank calls we need to we make. We need to make them. Yeah. We gotta just do it. Yeah, you can sign up for $5 a month. Also add another Patreon tier for a thousand dollars a month. We will pray for you every night. And uh that's a promise. <laughs> yep. As long as at least two payments clear. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we appreciate you. Love you. Take care of yourselves. And uh, yeah, you'll be all right. Take care of your God center. Take care. Guard your Ajna. Yes. With your life. <laughs> Peace out. Peace.